0: This is the Foot in the Box podcast for the week of Monday, October 24th. welcome to episode 74 of the A Foot in the Box podcast. My name is Peter Elliott. And I'm Paul Elliott. Well, the Cubs are in the World Series, Paul. Yeah, this is the day after probably your your greatest sports moment of your life. Oh, without a doubt. Illinois, Arizona, 2005 would probably be Yeah, that's probably number, number two. Um, but I don't even know past that. It drops quite a ways, I think. Yeah, so for our listeners, maybe give a little bit of background on how you experienced Game 6. Yeah, well, I guess um, first we can intro the podcast a little bit. Great idea. Getting ahead of myself. (laughs) Um, So this is the the, uh, Foot in the Box podcast. It's a weekly baseball podcast during the baseball season. Paul and I are twin brothers, live in Champaign, Illinois. Me, Peter, I'm a Cubs fan. Paul is a White Sox fan. And we just enjoy talking about baseball. Uh this week's podcast, we're going to recap the championship series, ALCS, NLCS, probably spend a little more time on the NLCS, mm-hmm. uh, as I think we should. There's more to talk about. Oh, for sure. Um, and then we're going to look ahead to the World Series, um, also take a look back at kind of the top moments of the postseason so far mm-hmm. with some different audio clips. Yeah. And then look ahead to the World Series, talk about different storylines and players uh, to watch in the World Series. Before we get into the NLCS, our Nelly update, which we do every week on the a Foot in the Box podcast, he uh, he sings our intro song, so we like to give him some free uh, publicity. Uh, so big news this this past week, probably the biggest Nelly news we've we've talked about. On the the only actual news that has come out since we've started the Nelly. Oh, the IRS debt was oh, real. That was a that was a clickbait news story. It's real. Oh, I know, but no one really. Well, I'm not sure this is better than clickbait. Uh, Nelly has joined the Undisputed staff. Uh, if you watch the MLB playoffs, you have seen commercials for Skip Bayless and Janet Sharp's new show, Undisputed. No mercy, no mercy, Paul. Uh, they've got the, this new show on FS1 called Undisputed, and Nelly is is joining the staff as a uh, analyst, expert of sorts. I'll just read the uh, the Fox. Uh, press release. It says, Undisputed, which is in all caps, is getting even hotter. <laughs> One of the best-selling rap artists of all time, Nellie, joins Skip Bayless, Shannon Sharp, and Joy Taylor on FS1's newest daily all-sports opinion show on Tuesday, November 1st. Uh, he'll be discussing the day's current sports topics. Uh, the appearance is the rapper's first in his new role as a contributor to the show. So I believe november 1st it's a week from this tuesday yeah so the first show will be smack dab in the middle of the world series if it it goes goes past five games uh more reason never to watch that show (laughs) (laughs) if you need it anymore uh so there's your nelly facts we'll uh we'll probably be taking some audio clips from there unfortunately (laughs) um so thanks nelly for our intro song Paul, are you ready to sing that song in the off-season? I've been uh, working on it, yes. Is that going to be like right after the World Series? Yeah, we'll see. I think so. We'll see how ratings go after the World c- Series. we got come up with our off-season schedule. Okay, well, let's dive in to the championship series. First, let's start with the NLCS. Paul, like you mentioned earlier, I attended Game 6. It was Sweet Redemption, 13 years after both of us attended Game mm-hmm. Six of the 2003 NLCS, the famous uh, Steve Bartman game, uh, in which they lost to the Marlins. So that was October 14th, 2003, uh, and this game was October 22nd, 2016, and um, yeah, it was it was a surreal sporting event to attend. I have a lot of thoughts. I don't know if you have any like specific questions uh, or things that you're curious about, because I could probably talk about it for a long time. Well, at the channel every post-game interview I've ever seen, uh, <laughs> just walk me through your thoughts yeah, th- you should during give, the game. Give me a post-game interview right now. <laughs> uh, great performance. Awesome job. Uh, was there a certain uh, thought or image or person running through your head as uh, the final out hmm. happened? Final outs is a double play. Right. So that was a bit of a wrinkle. Uh, I thought they might challenge that. It was close. I think they got him because it was a double play. I didn't really have time to think about uh, or like go, you know, go back through all the all the people. I would think about you know our grandpa, all the the family and friends that are Cubs fans. Um, really, I think grandpa's the only Cubs fan I know that's passed mm-hmm. that would have enjoyed, uh, really enjoyed being at the game. So I didn't have time to think about specific people because it was double play, and so when the double play happened, you could see it kind of developing, and I just went crazy, jumped up in the air, hugged uh, hugged John and Kevin, our brothers, gave my mom a high five who was at the game. What yeah. per- what percentage of the game were you standing? Uh, go thirty. It was a lot of up and down. People couldn't really decide. Hmm. Um, any big moment? Any like? Two strikes on a batter with two outs in the inning, people would stand. Um, I mean, any good play, people would kind of stand up and cheer. Watching it on TV, they kept showing, even like when they had a five-run lead, like in the eighth and the ninth inning, they kept showing fans who were just like... Nervous? Yeah, like, um, you know, people taking their hats off and like rubbing their eyes. And Did you see me on TV? I did not know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my question is like, was that... The vibe you were getting, or was that just kind of a product of you know, the Fox TV producer looking for people in the crowd who were displaying nerves? Yeah, that wasn't the vibe. I got it all. Uh, it was one of the strangest games I've ever attended because there was literally no stress at all throughout the game. Um, I think the highest point of stress as a Cubs fan was the first batter, Toll's first pitch of the game. Line drive, single to right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the, the very next pitch was a double play. Good play by Baez. Uh, so I think the highest stress was <laughs> the first pitch of the game when he got a single, which wasn't all that much stress. The Cubs scored right away in the, the bottom of the first. Um, so there's no stress at all throughout the game. Uh, Dodgers uh, never got a runner to second base. Uh, they faced The Cubs pitchers faced the minimum. Any base runners that the Dodgers did get got a race uh, by double plays or a pickoff of Redick. Um, Yeah, it was a great game, strange game. Like if I would have went to that game in June, it still would have been weird because, Mm -hmm. I mean, it was no stress at any point. It's like they never got the tying run even close to the plate late in the game. Um, When they brought Chapman in, there was uh, quite a bit of anger towards Madden. Right, I don't know if you heard that on TV. But yeah, it came through. I so mean, very loud. Kind of felt like that was more because Hendricks was at 88 pitches, and mm-hmm. everyone was like, like looking for something to start going wrong or something. Yeah, and there was five outs left. I like it worked, but it's like the probably the eighth time they've tried Chapman in that sort of scenario, mm-hmm. and it's this is the first time it's worked in the yeah. regular season or the playoffs. Well, it was Peterson coming up, right? And I think he's pretty. Atrocious against well, they the lefties. Hit. They pinch it. hit. Uh, pinch hit. Uh, Howie Kendrick, who hit a ball really hard, but yeah. Baez, Baez made a good play. Is there a particular like play that you had a really good vantage point to see that you that will stick with you, or just the hmm. last out? You think? Mm, yeah, I mean the last last because you out. were you were behind home plate to the right. Yeah, first level back a little ways down the first base line. Yeah. The last – the double play will stick with me. Um, both the home runs will stick, Contreras and Yeah, you probably had a really Rizzo. good vantage point for Contreras' ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to think about it. I mean, defensively, there weren't too many, like, plays that – like, <laughs> the one play that probably will stick with me is when Rizzo went to catch a pop-up and um, mm-hmm. Baez went in front of Rizzo. So yeah. <laughs> Baez might be – might need to be reined in a bit over mm-hmm. the off season. It seems like he, he he knows how popular he is with Cubs fans. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts on the game? No, I guess for those that are curious, uh, just how I got to the game and what I did afterwards and stuff, uh, if there's anyone that's curious about that, maybe I'll listen to this podcast years down the road and be curious. Did uh, you start your day with a large Americano, like <laughs> Joe Madden? I didn't. So... Uh, I left Champaign around twelve thirty with uh, our brother John and then his wife Janelle. Got up to Chicago around two thirty. Had some pizza. Were any, were any snacks consumed along the way? Uh, no snacks. So we had had uh, lunch, pizza from Freddy's, a local joint. Um, our brother Kevin, he lives on the South Side, so we kind of stopped there. Our mom met met us there, and then we all went. Um, to the game, parked about two miles away, and then Ubered to the game. Got there about an hour and a half before. Got in pretty quickly. Um, all the security staff and all those ushers and people were great. Uh, the time before the game actually went really quickly, flew by. Uh, I pulled up Steve Bartman and brought um, a radio with headphones. Wow! And so uh, John and Kevin kind of alternated who who had one of the buds and I had one of the other ones. So that was I strongly encourage people to do that. Uh, because the radio was synced up to be like right with the game, um, and so especially late in the game, it was really cool to hear. When pet, you say you pet pet brought useful. your radio, you mean you just used your iPhone as a radio, or you no, actually I have, have a I have portable, a portable radio. radio? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I doesn't mean. take data at work, and I can listen to sports. Interesting. Like I can just—it's like a mini thing, or <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I hmm. make portable radios. So went to the game. Obviously, really enjoyed it. And then after the game, we we stuck around for about an hour and a half, two hours. And then even after we left, there were tons and tons of people outside. If you wanted to leave right after the game, could you have gone anywhere? It looked kind of uh, like I have a no idea. Stand still? I have no idea what it was like. I know they closed off the block surrounding Wrigley. Hmm. Uh, I think there was like 200,000 people. And so they just, uh, I think early in the game, like second or third inning, they cut off. Like you couldn't get in to the block surrounding Wrigley after that. Uh, walking through the streets though it was like a war zone. There was trash everywhere hmm. and I didn't I didn't see any like crime like looting or anything like that. but if someone had started that, the cops just couldn't have done anything. There were so many people right so many people uh, around and had the cops on horseback, which I'm sure makes sense for reasons I don't know about, but it just seems like <laughs> cops on horseback aren't the best aren't in the best position to uh to handle yeah Ra- they, they, they have a higher vantage point but not as mobile yeah should be on stilts instead uh no obviously i'm not a cubs fan so here comes the cynical side of me sure if the cubs lose to the indians in the world series uh-huh. which i don't predict will happen but if they do oh it's it's a what will your memories of game six be well the, i mean losing the indians is a is a real possibility. I think it's a coin flip. Who wins the series? Uh, I think because it was, you know, so long since we made the World Series that is a thing uh, by itself. Like we broke that streak. You do. Um, there was kind of a monkey um, hmm. got a monkey off our back to use a sports cliche. Uh, but yeah, I, I, more than most fans, I think I'm in the camp of it doesn't matter uh, unless you win it all. Hmm. And so a lot of rides in this World Series. And, uh, I mean, the Cubs themselves have lost seven World Series in a row. So it's like since 1908, they've they've made it this far seven times. Like, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. And a lot of teams get to this point and lose, and then that becomes a storyline. Like, oh, they can't finish the Braves in the 90s. Uh, so just so much is still to be decided. Um, but making the World Series, I think, is definitely something. So, you think you'll have positive uh, memories, feelings about the 2016 season, even if they lose the World Series? Oh, yeah. 100%. Really? Yep. I mean, they hadn't made a World Series in 71 years. The devastation of them losing in, say, game four, five, or six, seven, won't overshadow what you feel right now. I mean, I don't know how it ends. Like, if there's some crazy play or. Right. uh, Then maybe. But yeah, successful season for sure to make the World Series. It's difficult because, uh, in my mind, I've all, the 108 number or the 100-and-whatever number has always been more prominent for me. Mm-hmm. And not until this year or really even this postseason had I started th- hearing or thinking about the 70, 71. Hmm. Um, and so it, as a non-Cubs fan, it did seem a little surprising to me to see like the players in Joe Madden um, kind of go as over-the-top as mm-hmm. they did. Like they have accomplished something, which they have. I just feel like typically, uh, in a championship, a league championship game, the the celebration is a little more reserved. But yeah, I think we always kind of say that though. I think the Indians went nuts when they won. So yeah, and the Cubs have celebrated wins all season. So right, it's like yeah, I'm not. I'm not. You're only paying attention. I'm not saying that now. That as sort of they shouldn't have done that. I just thought it was an interesting observation that to them. This is an accomplishment, mm-hmm. and it's not like what you just said, where if they don't win the World Series, then it's all for not. I think to them, this meant something. Oh, and it means something to every team that makes it this far. Right. There's no team that makes it to the World Series or the Super Bowl or the NBA Finals, and it's like, oh, no celebrating. Like you know, it's always an accomplishment. Yeah. Um, a note I had from actually watching the game. In uh, in my home, <laughs> not quite as lively. Yeah, I did watch it with some friends. Tell them boys was Cubs fans, so I did. who you watch it with? Uh, Don and the Shiros and Kate. Okay. Um, I don't know if any of them listen to this podcast. Scott does, so hey, Scott. I was really looking forward to the Hendricks Kershaw matchup. and so, Wait, I, can we talk about your Twitter prediction? Uh, you're not so losing much. instant credibility for our podcast. <laughs> uh. I didn't tweet it from the podcast, Twitter. What? But your brain is associated with it. I was really looking forward to it. And what was so interesting to me watching and then going back afterwards was um, how Kershaw just couldn't put away any of the Cubs hitters. I know the the narrative afterwards was like it just wasn't Kershaw's night. He was kind of all over the place, couldn't locate his Mm curveball. But if you look at the first and second inning where the Cubs scored three runs and the game was kind of over, He was up. He had two strikes on, I think, almost every hitter. Yeah. Fowler had had a double on a one-strike pitch, but um, two, three, four, five. All had two strikes. Russell had a double on a two-strike pitch, which I went back and looked today. Uh, Since the beginning of last year, uh, I think uh, Kershaw has allowed extra base hits with two strikes 3% of the time. Mm -hmm. So, like... I just feel like, um, yeah, the Cubs were the Cubs' uh, hitting uh, was the storyline. Like hmm. I, I know some people were pointing to Kershaw's, like just didn't have it, but I, I mean, I just think the professional hitters of the Cubs have kind of, I don't know, proved themselves. Yeah, I went back and watched the first five innings or so this morning, and. I agree that the Cubs were had a good approach, and the the, the error in the first inning by Toles and left was a huge mm-hmm. huge play. But Kershaw's control was not there. It wasn't great, but oh, even, it was it was bad. Yeah, he, like he he threw one curveball for a strike out of fifteen. Uh, but on it, Tuesday, he threw and it. His, his fastball, especially in the first and second inning, was all over the place. Was not crisp. The curveball is a little overblown. Like on in game two, he threw nine curveballs. And three were strikes. And so I, I don't think he's had a great feel for well, that the whole series. But he skipped in uh, five or six. Yeah. Like, and those pitches are just waste, like, when I mean, the hitter doesn't even think about it. Yeah, I, he didn't have a good feel for it. I'm not denying that. I just think the hit, Kershaw's fastball slider is enough to get him through, you know, a respectable start. Mm, yeah. Well, I th- And I think it would have been respectable if not for the air. Um, yeah that really did change by tools. and that I mean it was just a terrible play just a terrible terrible play yeah you think well you think about that first inning and just how maybe random postseason is Fowler kind of has a x ex- I don't know accident bloop down the line like it was a high fastball that he like wasn't you know attempting to shoot to <laughs> accident it, it just wasn't a solid swing I think I read where it was a base hit that velocity to that location was a hit like seven percent of the time okay. this year or something and then Bryant hits, you know, it was a good piece of hitting, but hits another blooper yeah. to right. And then, you know, no other hits that inning. Yeah. Um, and it's two it, runs. And yeah, I mean, after the first, it could have went one or two ways. You could have been like, the narrative could have been, oh, he settled in. He did have good stuff. Fluky, To me, the Contreras homer, the Rizzo homer, but I mean, balls were getting hit really hard against him. Mm-hmm. So to me, he just didn't. He didn't have the good stuff, which is really, uh, really surprising because he was great in game two, uh, had extra rest for this start. Maybe that was part of the problem. I don't know. I mean, you can't blame Roberts for doing that. But, yeah, I, I thought Kershaw just didn't have it being at the game. Yeah, and uh, the homer he gave up to Rizzo was the first homer he's given up to a lefty in over a year. Really? Which was, yeah. I I don't disagree with you that he didn't have his stuff. I just think that narrative may be overblown to the – like to downplay the Cubs well, hit- hitters. Like, so I think it's okay to admit that Kershaw has struggled in the postseason. Like a, a really common thing on uh, baseball internet right now, Twitter, um, different sabermetric <laughs> communities is like, you know, you're an idiot if you say Kershaw struggles in the postseason because he's great. And I I mean, I, I tend to lean that direction. Like he's he was great all season long. Has uh, had some fluky stuff happen in the postseason. But I think overall, like, if you watch him, uh, his body language in the postseason, like, I think the pressure gets to him a little bit. Like, I think and I think it's okay to admit that he, he struggles in the postseason. That doesn't mean that he always will, or that doesn't mean that, he, like, that takes away a ton from his Hall of Fame credentials or who he is as a pitcher. Um, but I think it's just okay to admit that. And I think sometimes fans are afraid to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mostly agree with you. What people fail to realize uh sabermetric people when they talk about well, there's only three or four bad starts, even the other 18 or 19 starts uh ha- he hasn't been his typical mm-hmm. hall of fame self. Yeah. Like his ERA this year was 1.5. Mm-hmm. And so even if he's been above average, that's not typical Kershaw. Definitely. So other things from this series that, that stood out to me, um, Kenley Jansen was amazing. Mm-hmm. I thought he should have come in earlier, actually, in game six. Um, just being at the game, you could tell Kershaw didn't have his his great stuff, and I thought they should have pulled him probably after four innings. Uh, Jansen, I mean, Cubs didn't have a chance against him. For the series, uh, he threw six and a third, uh, one hit, ten strikeouts. Uh, he is a free agent at the end of this year, so that's you know part of the reason why I'm bringing him up. Uh, he's 29 years old. The last two years, 2015 and 2016, 121 innings pitched combined over those two years, 0.72 whip, uh, 28 earned runs total, uh, that's a 2.08 ERA, and in those 121 innings, 184 strikeouts. Hmm. So he has been, I think, the best closer in baseball over that stretch. And um, and recall the Dodgers uh, attempted to trade for Chapman, Had a, had a trade lined up. And Jan- Jansen was going to move to a set Setup, a setup role. Gosh, that bullpen would have been lights out. So I think the the three teams to watch with Jansen are the Dodgers, probably the favorites to re-sign him. Uh, but then I also think the Yankees and Cubs will be involved because the Cubs need a closer. I don't think Rondon will be put back in that closer position. And I, I don't think they want to have to deal with Chapman, both off-the-field stuff and uh, just his inability to go more than – three outs with no guys on base after experiencing three years of 30 million dollar mediocre uh david robertson i would advise against (laughs) paying big for a closer well you just have to pick the right one yeah i mean andrew miller would have been a great signing when they signed him uh yeah i mean there's a lot to talk about do you have anything else to talk about from the nlcs i think just the other thought i had was how impressive the mets um performance was last year like this cubs team even last year i know it was a different team and you have certain guys that have really developed since then like russell but um to sweep this team last year was really really impressive and even their their starters performance i went back and looked and they never gave up more than two runs in a game in those four games um to shut down that lineup is is really impressive hmm I think that Met series last year, if it would have went further, I think eventually the Cubs bats would have woken up. No want to get ahead of myself, but um, regardless of what happens in the World Series, but looking ahead sort of at the landscape of the national league for the next I don't know four to five years, do you see the Dodgers as kind of the Cubs primary foe, or is there another team that you mm-hmm. can sort of pinpoint now and say I think they'll be tough? It's a good question i mean they'll they'll definitely be up there think the Nationals are set up well. They've got good young players. Uh, Trey Turner only helps that with his emergence this year. You've got a lot of teams rebuilding, and so there will probably be a couple of those teams that mm-hmm. do it really well like the Cubs have done. Um, the Mets don't have any offense, so if they make some trades this offseason, if they trade some of their good pitching for decent hitters, they could uh, emerge. The Braves have a good... Start on a rebuild. I guess Cardinals fans. Cardinals, play. I mean, the, yeah, the Cards will always be around. Pirates are kind of on the down, downward trend. Um, The Giants will always be around, like the Cardinals. But yeah, I mean, it's if you had to pick, I think, two, like if your first uh, two picks in like a NL pennant uh, mm-hmm. draft, I think you'd pick, take the Cubs and the Dodgers. Yeah, I think once the Dodgers get some of this kind of dead weight off their books, um, with Kershaw and Seeger, I, I think, and Grendel. I think they're set up to be really, really good. All right, well, let's move on to the other championship series, the Indians and Blue Jays. This series only went five games. Indians were dominant. Uh, Jays only can muster one win in game four. Uh, I think, for me, the, the two kind of storylines that I was most intrigued by are the two players I was intrigued by. Two lefties... Uh two left handed pitchers. Andrew Miller. Uh I think he won the MVP, right? He did, yep. Okay. For the Cubs it was it was Baez and Lester that shared it. Yeah, cap out. Yeah, I agree. Uh Andrew Miller of the Indians wins the ALCS MVP. He pitched in every Indian win in every single outing was more than one inning. <laughs> uh, so seven and two thirds innings pitched, three hits, zero walks, fourteen strikeouts almost two strikeouts per inning, uh, just dominant. Mm-hmm. And I think he's he's the major strength for the Indians going into the, the World Well, him Series. and, I mean, uh, to a slightly lesser extent, Cody Allen. who mm-hmm. has been somewhat shaky at times, but them together have covered almost 20 innings, 19 and a third, zero runs so far this playoffs, uh, 33 strikeouts. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're losing after the sixth inning, the game's over. I mean, Miller's coming in like the fifth, too. Yeah. Even if it's if it's tied. I agree. Yeah, so Miller was my my first one. Francona did a great job of, of uh, utilizing him. Ryan Merritt is the second lefty that uh, just intrigued me. Made his second major league start in game five. Uh, his first major league start was September 30th of this year. Um, and in both starts, he pitched well. On September 30th, five innings, one run, three hits. And then um, in game five, pitched four and a third, just one hit, no runs. Uh, very, very soft tossing lefty. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Blue Jays were f- very frustrated um, that they couldn't hit him, and then that kind of builds on top of itself. Well, Jose Batista, before the game, the day before the game, said that Merritt should be shaking in his boots, mm-hmm. which caused quite a stir. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yeah, so Merritt doesn't have a lot of long-term potential. In 143 innings in AAA this year, he only had 92 strikeouts. So Merritt, as a 24-year-old, making his major league debut this year, uh, doesn't have a ton of of future uh, potential. And that's what intrigues me so much about his his Mm -hmm. postseason performance. He likely won't start in the World Series. Yeah, and we can get into that later. Uh, Yeah, the the pitching matchups in the World Series really intrigue me as well. Um yeah, those are the two kind of storylines I I loved reading about with Merritt. He's getting married in the winter in the off season and uh Indians fans picked up his wedding registry and mm-hmm. and bought that out, so just kind of adds to the myth of uh of Mr. Merritt. A uh, great baseball name. Ryan Merritt. I yeah, really like it. I agree. The Indians uh this year reminded me of uh two American League Central teams from the past. Their bullpen reminds me of the Royals last year. Uh, Just locked down. Even, you know, you compare Wade Davis to Andrew Miller. High draft picks as starters uh, don't succeed initially. And after a few years, they're converted to a reliever and then both use a slider to be really, really, really good. They're both uh, first round picks? I know Andrew Miller was. Not sure about Davis. Okay. So they remind me of the Royals, but they also remind me of the White Sox back in 2005. Where if you look at their lineup, there are some like notable names or names that you would recognize, but like it's just not a World Series lineup. Like if you were to compare the Cubs' position players to the Indians, you would take Lindor probably at short, but other than that, like I think the Cubs have the better player at every position. Maybe Kipnis, yeah, at that, second. That was the other one I was gonna say. But um, but yeah, there's just something about. <laughs> I hate to do this, but like. Chemistry, momentum, uh, their pitching has been good, but they just seem to have a a certain thing to them that is causing them to roll through the postseason. Yeah, I mean, they've been a streaky team all season. Mm-hmm. They had that huge, I think 14, 15 game winning streak right. Uh, and so they just get caught caught fire at the right time. Uh, Trevor Bauer, we should probably talk about him, mm-hmm. cuts his finger in a drone accident. <laughs> He's got his personal little drone. That malfunctioned, cut his right pinky finger, uh, tried to pitch in game two, uh, but his finger, the gash in his finger just was gushing blood. And the reason why that game, happened... Game three. Sorry, yeah, it was in Toronto, game three. Uh, the reason why it was gushing blood is because you can't pitch with stitches in your finger. So they had to take the stitches out of his finger because um, it's considered a foreign substance. And he couldn't have taped it, right? You can't. Yeah. You can't have any yeah. adhesive to your... <laughs> my favorite note from that was that the night before he considered using the the iron in his hotel room to solder it really uh, shut, but the Indians told him he couldn't do that. Wow. Um, so he, he's a very interesting guy, very funny guy. Uh, and has been pretty hilarious throughout the, the post season, uh, but pretty stupid injury. Like mm-hmm. I'm sure players do stuff that they could cut their fingers, but to, to be playing with drones. uh, to be playing with anything that could cut your finger like that is a little risky. In the yeah, it sounds like he'll be good to go for the World Series. Well, he, he said he'd be good to go for the ALCS, too. There was a picture taken like half hour before, I don't know if you saw that, um, of his finger, and I, I just don't know why they even sent him out there. Mm-hmm. Like, just a mangled finger. Yeah, couldn't finger. even get through the first inning. you have anything else from the series? Uh, I will add to the list of people who are complaining about Major League Baseball's decision to put the Cubs-Dodgers on FS1. Mm -hmm. I was in St. Louis for work from Monday through Thursday. And uh, so I got all the... I didn't get FS1, uh, but I did get TBS. And so I was able to watch um, all the ALCS, but none of the NLCS, which turned out to be the wrong series to be able to see. So uh, yeah, it's pretty upsetting to not be able to watch um, Cubs-Dodgers. Obviously, I... Have it back here in Champaign, but um I just don't understand it. Uh obviously it's about the money and Fox is paying a ton of money to be mm-hmm. able to kind of build up F S one. But um it's just frustrating. Yep, and I've got more on that later with my ratings update. Um Yeah, I mean there's definitely a reason why they did it that way, but yeah, it's not good for the growth of baseball. One last note on the on the Blue Jays, I mentioned Jansen as a free agent with the Dodgers. Uh, with the Blue Jays, it'll be an interesting offseason as well. Uh, Jose Bautista and Edwin Encarnacion are both free agents. Bautista's 36, uh, Encarnacion's 33, and both have been kind of the heart of the Blue Jays lineup for for five-plus years now. And uh, I'm guessing Encarnacion has a better chance of coming back. Bautista is kind of a head case, so I'm not sure if they'll they'll want to bring him back. Um, but both those players will be intriguing guys to watch in the off season. Well, that recaps the uh, ALCS and NLCS. Um, before we look ahead to the World Series, let's kind of recap the playoffs so far from the perspective of the top moments. So Paul and I each kind of thought of our individual favorite moments of the 2016 playoffs so far. And so we'll kind of mention those briefly and then give an audio clip for most of them. So I think I'll go first. I'm sure you had it on your list too, Paul. The the Cubs going to the World Series for the first time in 71 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's number one for me. Double play um, with Yasiel Puig up, Chapman pitching, Russell Tobias to Rizzo. Um, And so don't have to talk about it a ton, but the Cubs won the pennant. First time since 1945. Going to play two clips for this one uh, of the same, same play. First is Joe Buck calling it, who did a great job. I felt like. And then the second one is Pat Hughes, the Cubs radio announcer. Um, So they both call the, uh, the last play of game six of the NLCS. Left side. Plead pinch hitting and he will hit a ground ball towards short. Russell goes to buy his one over the first. The Cubs are going to the World Series. The Cubs win the pennant. I will uh, just mention again. Great calls by by Buck and Hughes. Uh, Winning the pennant is a very cool phrase, and it's exclusive to baseball. No one says like we won the conference in football or uh, basketball or hockey. So, I mean, it's got the history of it is you know you. Um, it used to not be such a long playoff, and so to win the pennant was a bigger deal. Mm-hmm. But I think I really, I really like that phrase. Uh, it's confused, Kate. Uh, <laughs> A fair amount. Did she think the Cubs uh, won the World Series? No, but yeah, the terminology, winning a pennant, um, just struck her as odd. I can see that. Uh, What's uh, what's on your list? Uh, Well, number one for me was uh, last night, the Cubs going to the World Series. Uh, I'll say number two for me, just in terms of drama and the moment, was uh, Connor Gillespie's triple off Chapman. That was the bottom of the eighth uh, of game three of the Cubs-Giants series. Um, When Chapman came into the game, the Cubs were up 3-2. to He struck out Hunter Pence, and uh, then Gillespie came up, who's terrible against lefties, is not a good player in general. Um, And so, uh, yeah, just a high drama moment, and um, he gets a triple, which is a really big deal. Mm -hmm. Yep, and we have the call for that one as well. In the biggest moment of the game, right here. Gillespie to right. Almora back. He can't get there. Belt scores. Here's Pulsey. And the Giants have taken the lead. All right. Next uh, on my list, um, don't have audio for it, but this is David Ortiz coming back. Uh, back out into the field after they had been swept hmm. by the Indians. I think that one will stick with me. Ortiz was visibly um, very emotional um, towards the Red Sox fans. And, um, yeah, that was personally one of my favorite favorite moments from the playoffs this year. Yeah, and there's been articles written since then about how uh, injured he was throughout hmm. this year. Like his feet and knees were, were pretty hmm. banged up. There's like a 0% chance he comes back. Right, yeah. I saw some quote where, Essentially, said he was playing on stubs. So, um, yeah, really cool moment. I agree. Uh, Kershaw finishing off game five of the NLDS. Thought that was a really cool moment. Yep, also on my list. Specifically, the at bat against uh, Daniel Murphy. So the Dodgers are up one, runners on first and second, one out. Uh, Jansen had has pitched what three innings or two and a third innings. Yeah, he was up past fifty pitches. So they bring in Kershaw on two days rest to get two outs. First batter is Daniel Murphy, who's Nationals' best hitter. Gets him to pop out the second, and then strikes strikes out a pinch hitter um, to win the game. So really cool moment there as well. Yep, and we played that audio last week, so we'll we'll uh, save you from that again this week. Uh, last one I had on my list. Uh, uh, I love Francisco Lindor. So with the Indians run, there's not really like a moment. Um, you know, I guess them making the World Series, that call would be kind of a moment. But to me, the moment that sticks out is Francisco Lindor's homer in game one of the ALCS. Uh, it was 0-0 through five and a half innings, and then Lindor hit a two-run homer in the bottom of the sixth in Cleveland. Uh, crowd going crazy, and Lindor obviously loving the moment. Uh, so that was that was my favorite Indians moment from the postseason. And we have the Indians radio call of that home run. The pitch, Lindor with a high drive deep right center. Pilar going back at the wall. It is gone. Francisco Lindor has his second postseason home run, and it's two nothing Indians as Lindor. Literally skips to the Indians' third base dugout. Oh, did he put a charge into that one? And the Indians lead it two to nothing here in the sixth inning with one out and now nobody on for Mike Napoli. They're still up roaring. Yeah, it's amazing that Lindor is only 22 years old. Mm hmm. And he's the, I went back and looked at the the stats so far for the postseason. He's the only guy in the Indians lineup with a, a base percentage over um, league average. Wow. Um, so he's, yeah, he's definitely carried them. Last one for me was also from the Cubs' Giants series, uh, top of the ninth, game four. Going into the inning, the Cubs were down three, five to two. But the specific clip that I thought was an awesome moment was Zobris' triple, or Zobers' double mm-hmm. of Sergio Romo to make it a 5-4 game. Because essentially from there, you know, you run around second, nobody out. Uh, you assume that he's going to get in. So that was kind of the watershed moment in that inning, I think. And we have that uh, clip as well. The 3-1. Lined into right field. That'll rattle around. Bryant scores easily. Rizzo held it third. And it's a two-run ball game with nobody out in the ninth. See, and that's exactly what Zobris did the whole of bat he stayed off the low sinkers he waited for one For that came up above the knees and you saw exactly what he was able to do he was ready, he turned and burned on it so those were our top moments from the playoffs so far if you feel like we've missed one feel free to tweet at us or, or email us um, box at gmail.com or box on Twitter ok let's look ahead to the World Series uh, I think Probably the best World Series in recent memory. You would Most. say that. Well, but yeah, I guess from your perspective, as an objective fan, uh, like, would you say this has more intrigue to the average uh, non-Indians Cubs fan than like a, a Mets Royals or? Oh, for sure. I mean, both teams haven't won a World Series for uh, what over sixty years. Let's... Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure the exact year on the Indians. But... Um, yeah, uh, I mean, I I will say that I'm not totally objective either, and that I live in a family of sure. four Cubs fans and live in central Illinois where there's Night Cubs fans. But yeah, I think objectively there is a lot more intrigue. Um, I saw Keith law tweet out last night, like essentially two great managers, two teams with long droughts, uh, two best teams, two best teams in each league. So all you can ask for a really in a world series. Sorry, Rangers. Yeah. You were not the best. Um, in terms of storylines to watch, uh, I think the, the biggest one, in my opinion, is the Indians pitching. I don't think the Indians lineup will score enough runs um, to like out-hit out the Cubs or out-slug the Cubs. So I think it comes down to whether guys like Kluber, Miller, mm-hmm. Allen, Salazar, if he goes, yep. um, Tomlin can, can shut down the Cubs lineup. Uh, I would say that the the biggest kind of national media storyline will still be the Cubs' World Series drought. Mm-hmm. Um, So, yeah, like you mentioned earlier, 108 years uh, its just a really long time. And uh, maybe someone will pick up on the fact that they've lost seven in a row. So I seem to be the only one championing (laughs) that cause. I'm fighting for the Cubs fans of the Great Depression that scoff at us today. Like, oh, yeah, great, you made another World Series. We did that (laughs) five times in my lifetime. If the Cubs lose the World Series, I think we'll talk more uh, about the Cubs than the Indians. Definitely on our podcast, but I think nationally, it'll be more written about the Cubs than the Indians. I think it really depends on how the the games play out. Like if the Indians go out and just win it, versus the Cubs doing something like the Bartman game or you know making key errors, yeah, could, could be different. Uh, my next uh, storyline that I'll be watching is Terry Francona versus his old foes, uh, Theo Epstein and John Lester, in particular. Uh, Sir Francona was hired by Theo Epstein, was a manager of the Red Sox. With Theo in charge uh, as general manager for eight years, 2004 to 2011, uh, they of course won two World Series in that span, and both were kind of run out of town regretfully. I feel like for most Red Sox fans, yeah, they, uh, they wish they had those those guys back. And Lester pitched for six years under Francona, and uh, John Lester cannot hold on base runners, so I am super intrigued by how Francona is going to play that in in game 1. In Cleveland, uh Indians fans will know about Lester's uh yips. And uh yeah. I, I we didn't talk about the Dodgers cuz we kind of ran out of time their their philosophy, but you just have to steal on Lester. Like mm-hmm. it's it's so plain. Take a big lead off and steal. Like right. Taking a big lead off doesn't doesn't really throw them off. Bunting doesn't really do much unless you're a good bunter. You have to take big leads and steal like the Royals did in the wildcard game. You could almost argue that doing what the Dodgers did was a disadvantage because you have Adrian Gonzalez, a 30-home run guy, bunting. Jack Peterson bunting. Or even you take a massive lead like Peterson in his starter stance, but if you watch him, he goes back to the bag mm-hmm. because Ross can pick you off. So you're not, there's no advantage really. Clearly wasn't getting in Lester's head. Um, but I do think the Indians are different in that they're actually a good – um base running team, yeah. a good stolen base team. They led the American League in Steals. Mm-hmm. Uh Rajay Davis who will play against Leicester, probably lead off, had forty three steals, um, in somewhat limited time. Um so they there is a difference there and they have guys who get on base who steal a lot. To me that that that's must watch T V <laughs> in game one. Uh is, is how Francona plays the Leicester thing. And they've had tons of time to to watch the Dodgers mm-hmm. Cubs game, game five and to plan ahead for that underrated moment of the NLCS was the, uh, Lester stare down of the Dodgers dugout after the, <laughs> the, the, the flip. The, yeah. The the flip, the first, I don't even know what to call it. It's the, like a the, shot put. Yeah. Which apparently he's practiced. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I'm surprised you haven't mentioned this yet. Uh, Kyle Schwarber. Oh yeah. He's next on my list. Peter is currently wearing his Schwarber lumber. Um, sweatshirt that I purchased for him for Christmas last year. Was there a, any significance to that? Uh, you, it's a bit chilly <laughs> today in Champaign. Yeah, I mean. Chances that he plays? I think they're really high. And you you sound like you like that. Of course. Shorber's like my second favorite player behind Rizzo. That would be legendary. I mean, before yesterday afternoon, no one was talking about this. Mm-hmm. Cubs play it great. Uh, it's like the anti-Derek Rose. With Rose, they said, oh, he might come back. We'll see. And so that puts pressure on the player. With Schwarber, they just said he's out for the year. Don't think about him coming back. And then if it, if he rehabs well, like most guys rehab well now, you got a chance. And what what allows him to come back is the DH, obviously. He's not going to play the mm-hmm. field. And, uh, I mean, he's he's your best option DH-wise. Solaire has been terrible. Uh, we haven't talked about Hayward, but he has been atrocious. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the in the playoffs, LaStella, Coglin, like none of those guys uh, come close to what Schwarber could give you. Um, so if you haven't heard, Schwarber uh, is in Arizona. Uh, was added, or there was room cleared on the forty man roster for yeah, him. Was reactivated from the sixty day DL. Played a Saturday night, and then I think we'll play again Sunday. I loved the feedback from his O for three, which was essentially yeah he was O for three, but his swing looked great. <laughs> And uh, he's really seen the ball well. And mm-hmm. you can tell, like, I think Theo and Jed kind of have a bias towards him. How oh, they love him. And that they drafted him and mm-hmm. um, kind of view him as, as their uh, prodigy. Yep. It was cool to see when he got back in the clubhouse that guys had champagne to, to dump on him because mm-hmm. the Cubs had won. And so it was, Schwarber had been with the team throughout the whole season in the playoffs and so it was a bummer that he kind of missed the World Series celebration. What a weird feeling for him to like fly out to Arizona, mm-hmm. and go through all that. I mean, probably what fifty fans there. I don't know how many people attend. Uh, yeah, those games. There's a Tebow bump. Uh, so, my last storyline was was Schwarber, uh, but also Danny Salazar with the Indians. Mm-hmm. So these guys that could come back and make a big difference. Uh, Salazar was the Indians' third best starter. Yeah, but he was my, if you remember, my mid-season Cy Young winner. <laughs> <laughs> he ended up with like a three-eight ERA, mm-hmm. so they have a bad second half. Not as great. Uh, yeah, so young pitcher. I'm guessing high velocity. I haven't, I've actually never watched him pitch. Yeah, high velocity, uh, good sinker, good changeup. I believe. Okay, so both those guys, I think, will come back and play. We'll see how effective they are. Um, Schwerber is like our generation's version of Kirk Gibson. <laughs> Um. So we need we need Buck to to bring back the Scully call if, if he wins game one. Uh, I guess the last one I had I had four uh, <laughs> cheated uh, Chapman versus Miller. Both those guys were on the trading block. Both got traded from the Yankees, and uh, I think there's a lot of pressure on on Chapman to perform up the Miller's level. Yeah, I think you know we t- before the playoffs we talked about the people with the most pressure on them and number one for me was Chapman and I still think that's true and to be honest the Cubs bullpen has not been great has been bad you might say (laughs) I wouldn't say bad just a lot of hard hard hit balls um and you I mean you can maybe make the argument that the standard for Chapman is a little bit higher than for for others but um yeah I think there's a lot of pressure on on him and Rondon and Strope to be excellent going up against Probably the best bullpen in baseball. Let's quickly look, just game-by-game pitching matchups, kind of walk through who has the advantage. And these haven't been announced or anything. It's kind of our guesses on Sunday afternoon. First game will will obviously be Lester versus Kluber. Great pitching matchup. Again, you got to watch this game if you're a a baseball fan at all. Uh, Kluber has been dominant, but so has Lester even despite the – Throwing issues. Um, so who who do you give the advantage to in Game One, Paul? I'll go Indians at home. I like Kluber with uh, I'd say like three or four stolen bases. Yeah, over under probably two point five. It's probably mm-hmm. a good good number. I take the over as well. You like the Indians or Cubs? I like the Indians in Game One. Game two uh, will be Jake Arrieta for the Cubs, who has not pitched well. In the playoffs, 11 innings, six earned runs. It has not been crisp. With the Indians, I mean, it could be Salazar. could be Bauer. could be Josh Tomlin. Um, Paul, you know the, the Indians better than I. With your American League background, who, who would be your best guess as to who starts that game? I think if Salazar is healthy, uh, he's their second-best starter. But who knows what his stamina is and how many innings he can go. So and if they're going to use him, you'd want to use him at home probably. Yeah. So I'll say Salazar, um, and I obviously like the Cubs in that pitching matchup. Yep. Me too, I think the team split the first two games. Uh, moving to Chicago for games three, four, and five. Game three would be uh, Kyle Hendricks, who was amazing in uh, in game six, just kind of his breakthrough moment on the national stage if he still needed one. Hendricks versus uh, Tomlin, mm-hmm. probably a good, good or, bet. Or Bauer. Yeah, if Bauer's healthy, I I have a hard time believing they're going to trust Bauer's finger. Really? To to start a game in the play. In yeah, the I mean, all World reports Series. are that it has healed. So same reports as the ALCS. Yeah, I so like, in, I, a, in a Hendricks Tomlin match, matchup, you like Hendricks, right? Hendricks, yep. Yeah. Uh, game four, Lackey, who is an idiot, <laughs> versus uh, the Cowboy, versus Tomlin, Merritt. I feel like it's kind of assumed that Merritt's going to get another start, but we really shouldn't assume that, right? Yeah, I, I think if anything, he'll be ready if Salazar or Bauer go short. Yeah, I like the Cubs. Um, and then from there, it's I mean, those guys recycled again. I guess Kluber, yeah. Kluber could pitch game four on short rest. Too, if My need. prediction for the series is that Kluber will win both of his starts uh, and then the Cubs will win the rest. So, so yeah, Cubs, Cubs in and six. Okay. Who? Whew. <laughs> I took the Cubs in six. Those last series, so I was I was correct via Twitter on our podcast. You well, did I, pick again. The Dodgers. I didn't know that. I didn't know Colberson wouldn't make sure, the playoff Robert. roster for the for the Dodgers. Uh, I'll also take the Cubs in six. Uh, one thing on Merritt that's funny: he has zero plate appearances in the minors. Hmm. So I doubt they use him at at Wrigley uh, in a starting role. <clears throat> okay, uh, quickly before we end this podcast, uh, ratings update. So uh, through the division series, the highest um, rated game, the most watched game was the Cubs-Giants game four at 6.3 million. Uh, Cubs and Dodgers now. Game six is the highest at 9.7 million. It just broke before we started recording. Biggest uh, event in Fox Sports 1's history. Uh, But again, they they chose to put it on Fox Sports 1. Mm -hmm. And that's probably a lot of the reason why the uh, Fox – bid so much on MLB rights so that they could grow FS1. Did you see FS1's commercial saying that they are the most watched cable station? Uh, The week before. Yeah. Yeah, which is true. But it's, I mean, it's all live sports. Um, And so 9.7 million watched game six. That's a a really high number. Uh, It's the first time in seven years that an LCS game, league championship game, has outdrawn Monday Night Football Hmm. in that same week. So really big win, I think, for baseball there, uh, but it is down 11% from the Cubs and Mets last year, which was on TBS. Hmm. So it just really highlights the fact that uh, the pecking order is Fox, you know normal Fox is is clearly the top one that's where all the World Series games will be on. TBS is next, like if the Cubs and Dodgers played on TBS, there'd be more viewers than there were on FS1 and then FS1 is way at the bottom. I'll continue to watch the ratings. World Series should be a bonanza for Fox. I'm sure they're they're pumped. Uh also a shout out the FS one pre and post game. I'm sure it'll it'll be the Fox pre and post game. Excellent. I could not disagree with you more. Oh, that's absurd. That's not Pete absurd. Pete Rose, You uh, know who's absurd. Alex Rodriguez. It's Pete Rose. He's hilarious. Pete Rose is not hilarious. You're in the you're in the minority. Un- unintentionally hilarious? Uh no. He's funny. You, you legitimately think Pete Rose's yes. humor is funny. Yes. Did you watch him uh, mimic the sound of a helicopter landing last night? Yeah, I, that wasn't funny, but he's been, he's been a, great. A-Rod is better than I thought. Frank Thomas is an awful analyst. They, Provi- it just, it provides works. Nothing. It's like the TNT crew. It just works. I will say that Verducci and Ken Rosenthal and Kevin Burkhart are all very, very good at their jobs. You know you're in the minority, right? I don't care. I No, I just most people think it's great great in like a entertainment sort of way or great is in like i'm learning about the game i just watched both. sort of way both i could not That's disagree a great more. combination all right i know you got to get going uh but you have some questions for me right yes five seconds or less shoot um i have five questions for you <laughs> first question Who was the president the last time the cubs were in the world series harry truman who was the president the last time the indians were in the world series Eisenhower. How many former Cy Youngs are in the World Series? Oh, the last time the Indians were in the World Series? Five seconds or less. Bill Clinton. How many former Cy Youngs are in the World Series? Three. Population of Cleveland 1.6 million. I only had four questions (laughs) for you. Uh, You were right. Harry Truman, 1945. Mm -hmm. You were wrong. And then right, Bill Clinton, 1997. Yep. They also made it in 1995. I was thinking last time they won the World Series. Uh, How many former Cy Youngs? Close, but wrong. Two. Just uh, Kluber and uh, Arrieta. Lester never won. He never did. Well, there'd probably be a third Lester uh, Hendricks this year. Correct. Uh, And then the population of Cleveland is actually 390,800. Cleveland only has 390,000 people. That's correct. I don't believe you. We're talking Cleveland proper. It's just like Chicago's population is 3 million, but then 12 million if you go I, out. I don't believe you. Champaign's like 200,000. Champagne stu- Urbana. With students, yeah. Columbus is actually close to we passing We could have a up. major league team. Cleveland. Wow. Okay, well, you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Make sure to leave us a review there if you haven't already. Send us emails. Let us know if you like the Fox pre- and post-game show. Please let Paul know he's wrong. A foot in the box at gmail.com is our email. Follow us on Twitter at a foot in the box. We are tweeting a lot during the playoffs. Check us out online at a foot in the It's where you can check your fantasy team if you did that during the playoffs. Uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, our outro today is is from nineteen ninety seven, Game One of the ninety seven World Series. <clears throat> the last time the Indians were there, they played the Marlins. Paul, do you know who sang the national anthem at that game? Shania Twain. Hanson. Wow. So we're going to leave it with Hanson, who... Before we leave, slight correction, Columbus is three times the size of Cleveland. Wow. Almost one million people in Columbus, Ohio. Ohio State, big loss. Mm-hmm. So it's conflicted time for Indians fans, I'm sure. Anyway, Hanson's going to carry us out. Uh, they did not get a great treatment from, uh, from Marlins fans. Probably anything else? Keep a foot in the box. We shall talk to you after... The World Series. And now, to honor America, please welcome Mercury recording artist Hanson.